You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Okay, sorry, Glenn. I um, have a little trouble hearing you right now. Um, and it looks like we are live on Jet Nation Radio uh, for another week of good conversation and all about Jets talk. Uh, hopefully tonight we have a caller coming in, a good friend of mine, Pete. And uh, right now Glenn and I are just trying to figure out uh, <laughs> if uh, you guys and the callers out there can hear us right now. Um, so hopefully we can. All right, so Glenn can hear me, but I'm having trouble hearing you, Glenn. Um, But uh, tonight's episode of Jet Nation Radio, uh, probably going to be covering a lot of good topics, uh, mainly about Jamal Adams, I would would assume. Um, Like I said earlier, we're probably going to have a caller coming in as well. Um, And uh, we're probably just going to dive deep into some other things that Glenn had come up with tonight. Okay, so... Uh, Glenn looks like he might have to try to log out and log back in to try to um, get on the air tonight. So I guess we're going to try to do that first. So I'll hold down the fort until then. Um, so a few things that we were going to get into discussion tonight. Obviously, uh, everything and anything about Jamal Adams. And we were also going to just cover some, you know, brief topics about the team Uh you know, rank some of the players, uh, do, do like a top 20, um, you know, who would be our breakout candidates for this year. Uh, just kind of some of the generic stuff that we do uh, every off season. Because uh, as you know, uh, this time of the year uh, is usually the quiet time. Uh, but, uh, you know, Jamal Adams has different plans for uh, how the media is going to uh, be controlling the narrative this year. Because uh, everything does seem to be evolving around what's going to happen with his status with the team. Uh, We're going to be looking at, you know, a possible life without Jamal Adams. We might be looking at a really, really awkward scenario where uh, he gets signed a big mega deal and he ends up being here long-term. And then there's probably going to be a lot of people that wish that they didn't react uh, emotionally. Like I did myself when, when I first heard the news, Um, you know, and that's kind of an interesting thing. 
with this whole Adam scenario, um, you know, we as fans, we don't really have an understanding of what these players go through and the conversations that they have. Uh, we don't really um, know what these contract details look like. And, you know, these guys are putting their lives on the line. So, you know, it's very important that these guys feel that they get paid uh, what their value is. And uh, it's obvious that Jamal Adams is one of the best defensive players in the league. So it's understandable that he wants to be um, one of the highest paid players. But at the same time, it it does question bring up a lot of questions in regards to his character, his leadership, um, the manner in which he's uh, dealing with this situation. Because um, there, you know, this this tarnished relationship that we've talked about in the past between him and the front office um, has not changed since October, it seems. Uh, even though we've heard the coach speak, we've heard Jamal say all the right things, how he loves to be here and everything like that. But it, it definitely appears that uh, he is not on that, that same thought process any longer. Uh, so uh, it's, it's an unfortunate situation. It's a dramatic situation. Um, a lot of people here, uh, you know, seem to have to be mixed opinions. Um, a lot of people are taking Jamal's side in this manner, um, you know, mainly previous Jets and, and former professional players who have a better understanding than we fans do. Uh, because, you know, for most of us, we've been locked inside, trapped indoors, going crazy, and then we see stuff like this. And, um, you know, it's we're not used to this kind of kind of uh, situation. Um, you know, it seems like the Jets find a good player once every 10 years, once every six, seven years, and, and we find, you know, these guys wanting to be in other places because, you know, we have not proven to be a winning organization. So, um, you know, I'm getting a message from Glenn here. It looks like Glenn is still having some technical issues right now, so I might be going solo tonight, um, which is all right, because uh, we skipped last week, and you know, that'll happen, like I said, during the uh, the off season when you have uh, not a lot to talk about, and, you know, sports has kind of been on hold with this whole COVID situation. So, but we got to keep the show going here. We got to keep rolling. Um, so, yep, looks like... Uh, He'll go for Glenn tonight. So, Glenn, we miss you, buddy. We love you. Um, and we look forward to hearing your takes next week um, in regards to all of this uh, Jets craziness that, that we've been going through um, the last few weeks. So, uh, you know, going back to the Jamal Adams situation, uh, I've had plenty of time to think about this. I, I'm still a little bit uh, torn. I, I've got mixed opinions on this scenario here. Um, you know, I, I definitely do not agree with the manner in which he's handled himself on social media, but apparently, uh, you know, this may be the new norm for the way that these professional athletes handle themselves. Uh, we always try to set this model for these players that they have to act like the guys, uh, like these legends and hall of famers that, that we always resort back to, you know, everyone has to be as humble as Curtis Martin. Or, you know, why can't, you know, these overgrown, um, you know, children, as I've heard people say, uh, don't act like mature 40-year-old people? Oh, I ask you, how mature were you uh, when you were in your early 20s? And, uh, you know, did you ever have uh, a few million dollars thrown into your lap? Um, You know, because money changes the man, as they say. So I know I probably would have been as reckless as reckless can be 
during my young 20s had you given me half the amount of money that these guys have. So um, I, I understand that aspect of it. And we're not in the old school. This is not the same game um, anymore. Uh, you know, and I constantly hear that. Um, you know, this is the the way that they run offense, the way that they run defense, um, the way that they protect players. Everything has changed within this game. And more and more now we see athletes being more vocal, um, not biting their lips, not, you know, uh, biting their tongue and, and holding back the way that they feel. Um, it seems like those days um, are something of the past. And, and now as we move forward with this new generation that's coming up, uh, you know, these all these players feel that, you know, their their opinions and what they say and how they feel about certain things in the world and in this league and about this game, um, they feel that they have the right to, to speak their minds whenever they, they want to. And, uh, you know, I know that there's the people out there with that, that old mentality, just, you know, shut up and play the game. Well, that's really not the way it's going to be now, and it's not the way it's going to be moving forward. So we can't expect to hold these players old manner and this old style style of, you know, how do you conduct yourself um, in the media as a professional athlete? So, you know, a lot of things have changed. We've seen other players on other teams, um, you know, go to, go to social media and, and, you know, take, uh, take aim at the coach and take aim at the fans, take aim at, you know, all sorts of people. Um, And it just happens more and more often now. So, you know, we as fans, we probably have to do a little, uh, you know, adjustment to to how we feel about all of these things here. You know, we we often compare our own personal situations to what these guys are going through, and to be honest with you, um, we're not in the same manner, um, you know. Uh, but before I continue uh, my long-worded rant here about, you know, the new game, um evolving into, you know, the world that we are in today uh, with this whole Adam situation here. Uh, I do feel that he has earned uh, by his production and what he's done uh, to be paid as one of the top safeties in the league. I do feel that he's earned that. Uh, but you still are under contract. Uh, you're making the most money out of your rookie deal this year, and you've already had your fifth-year option picked up. Um, and I'm going to look that up as I'm talking here on what his fifth-year option is. So it's not as if, you know, Jamal was a UDFA or a fifth or sixth-round pick that was making a league minimum and then escalated into this monumental player. Uh, he was drafted in the top six, and the Jets were heavily criticized because you don't normally draft a player of that position within the top ten. Um, especially when people put the label on Jamal as a box safety. Now, analysts will tell you, especially Daniel Jeremiah, I believe he had stated that uh, this could be the best defensive player out of this class when the Jets draft. And uh, right now it is kind of looking that way um, a a year to date. So the Jets took a risk and they they drafted a safety um, because people may not remember the year before that we had the most 40-yard plays led up by any NFL team, and our defensive backs were getting cooked on a regular basis. So that's why Mike McCagney double-dipped in safety, and he wanted to protect the back end of his defense. And theoretically, we've done that, and it worked out. And that's, I guess, the philosophy of when you draft certain players, 
you don't draft them so that they could be good. You draft them because you're hoping that this player hits his ceiling, lives up to all the potential and the hype that's built into it during the analysis period before the draft. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Jamal Adams has become an all-pro safety within a few years. Uh, He just missed out by his rookie year, and he claimed he'd never miss another Pro Bowl. And so far, he's lived up to that word. And he's playing at a level that not other nobody else is playing at within his position at this point. So I get all those at you know those, those factors, and that's why he wants to be paid. But at the end of the day, um, you signed a very very good contract. Uh, you were in the top ten. You have all guaranteed money. Um, it's just been increased even more. And you're on the verge of probably being one of the top paid players in the history of that position. Um, But we're all expecting him to be patient. And clearly, you know, you live in the now in this kind of world. And he wants to get, you know, his worth, what he feels his worth is right now here and today. So I understand where he's coming from. But on the business side of this spectrum here, um, cause that's what this really is. It's not very much of a game anymore. You know, we keep constantly have to be reminded that this is now a business and these players are looked at as employees, um, not as people. And, you know, we hold them in different regards. So it's, uh, it's a very, very, uh, difficult situation that, you know, the people in this front office must be going through right now, uh, because, well, I guess it is difficult, but they also put themselves in this position. Because as we do remember, that Joe Douglas said that his goal was to make Jamal Adams a Jet for life. Now, take that statement. Did he say that he wanted to do that before the 2020 season started? Or was he just saying that at some point he's going to get a deal done and make this guy a Jet for life? He didn't get very specific into that. Um, so you can, you know, take that statement uh, you know, for what it's worth and, and, you know, perspectives are different for everybody. Um, I don't think what he meant by that was that, you know, I'm working on a deal right now and you guys are going to see something within the next few weeks. Uh, I don't think that's what Joe Douglas was saying. And I think that part of his plan to keep Jamal as a jet for life was picking up to that fifth year option and then addressing a mega deal going into the 2021 season, which is something I talked about you know, that I would prefer uh, back in 2019 when we were talking about this last fall, late fall. So that's what I would would prefer, but obviously Jamal doesn't feel that way and he doesn't want to be patient. So I get that. And it sucks for us Jets fans that are currently going through this and want him to be here for life. But a lot of people are upset by the way that he's conducted himself. And it kind of feels like there's no coming back from the things that he's done. Um, you know, this week alone, which was, I believe was the icing on the cake for a lot of people. Uh, now, what he did, just to give some context here, is he p- promoted Bill Belichick for taking a risk for signing Cam Newton. Very, very odd. Um, I'm fine with him. Uh, you know, if he's friends with Cam Newton and he's got a personal relationship and he's happy that he got a job, that's fine. You could be happy for one of your friends. That's perfectly fine. Uh, But the way that you phrased it with Bill Belichick being like the number one enemy, um, you know, next to Tom Brady um, from New England, 
it just the optics on it look really, really bad. And it looks like a lot of people are saying you're trolling Jets fans and trying to make people upset. And it did make a lot of people upset. And a lot of people lashed out at him. And, you know, I'm not going to get into details about what people say and what people do and the memes and the pictures and other things that people have created because it's really, really trashy. And, you know, that, that's something I wouldn't do to each their own. Um, but, uh, you know, following that, that evening tweet, that morning, uh, he posts a picture, which I believe was an office reference, um, that, that comedic show, uh, of Bill Belichick kind of doing a, a Dwight, if you under, understand that reference of that character, looking through the blinds with a little smirk. And uh, it's Bill Belichick um, in this photo. And caption on it from Jamal was moot. So his mood was just kind of like, I really don't care what people are saying. I don't really care what people think about, you know, what I'm putting out on social media. Um, And, you know, if you follow Jamal, like, you know, a lot of diehard fans do, you can see he's out working every day and he's golfing and he's relaxing and, you know, really enjoying himself at this point in time. And he does not seem to be phased with everything that's going on. Uh, So, again, these optics on this are are very, very bizarre. Um, for what's going on. So, uh, you know, that's why I'm mainly, I'm torn here. Um, I'd really like Jamal to be a jet for life, but if deep down he doesn't want to be here and he wants to be elsewhere, uh, I I don't know how I feel about having a guy in the locker room that could be a a negative individual, you know, and, and negativity, you know, goes on to other players. Um, you know, this is a brotherhood that these guys have. You know, all 11 guys on the field have to be on the same page and protect each other. And they have to, you know, fight together. And if you know that one guy isn't really about the organization and the team, oh, well, you know, that could create some, some drama and some issues within the locker room, especially if, you know, this team has a rough start to this season like they had in previous years. We, we've seen the ramifications of a fractured locker room. Uh, you know, Geno Smith got his, his jaw broken. Uh, Brandon Marshall and Sheldon Richardson were at each other's throats. So, you know, possibly keeping Jamal could, could end up being detrimental. Um, but I'm just speculating, um, you know, at this point. And, you know, the way I feel about it is if you want to be here, great. And, you know, you, and then you got to prove it. Um, but if you don't want to be here, the writing's on the wall. You want to be elsewhere. So if that's how he truly feels, uh, as hard as it is to say, I think we just have to, you know, swallow that pill and try to move forward. And, you know, that may not be easier said than done for sure. Uh, So I don't know if I can continue um, more on this situation here uh, because it, you know, it seems like, you know, some people, still want him to come back. Um, some people are ready to deal him. People are already, you know, for foreseeing, um, you know, particular trades, or what kind of compensation we can get and stuff like that. I don't know if people are doing that for fun or if they're just doing that to torture themselves. This is something that Glenn and I were going to discuss tonight is that if you're Joe Douglas, what do you do? What do you do with the situation here? Um, you know, this is, you know, kind of year two, um, of him being the general manager, kind of like his real first, you know, off season and going into 
a regular season with with his with his guys. Um, so you have your best player on the team that's extremely upset, being uh, downright to a point toxic on social media, and creating a divide now uh, between the fan base on people that want him to go and people that want him to stay. And then we get sources uh, from our buddy Manish that he is not a fan of Adam Gase. Um, not sure if he put Joe Douglas in there as well, but in my opinion, Joe Douglas was brought in by Adam Gase, so I have those guys connected. Um, you know, and kind of another you know, side topic here is I don't know how you can't um, or how you can support Joe Douglas and then despise Gates um, when the two of them are connected together. Uh, that that has always been odd to me. Uh, but there are people out there that love what Joe Douglas has been doing, and then they despise what Adam Gates has done. And Adam Gates has not done much. Thirty-second rank offense will tell you that. Uh, but you could also counter back and say that this was not his team and he absorbed this team and this team was, was terrible before he even got here. And, you know, maybe last year our expectations and the picture that was created by the media, which a lot of this is driven by, uh, they were wrong. And what we thought we were going to see clearly did not happen. So anyway, not going to get on the gaze rant here, but, you know, if you're Joe Douglas and you're in this situation here, what do you do? Do you trade your best player for future draft picks and then go to battle with possibly a Marcus Main and Ashton Davis combo? Could possibly work. Um, one thing that we do know, Greg Williams um, can take chicken scratch or, you know, chicken what and turn it into chicken scratch. Um, so he can take something and turn it, uh, take nothing and turn it into something, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And if you look at the dynamics of how um, he schemed this defense last year and, and maximizing the pieces that he had with their potential and what they could do and putting them in roles where they could prosper, uh, you know, there's definitely a part of me that, that feels that Greg Williams will find a way to create a successful defense without Jamal Adams. Um, I don't think it's going to be as great as what we've seen in the past. Uh, but I do feel that, you know, these guys uh, are paid a good, a good amount of money to figure out these kind of problems. I mean, you know, if you were in a situation to where, you know, Jamal wasn't doing this stuff and he got hurt, you'd have to figure out a way to do that anyway. So, my my whole philosophy on this thing with them all and Greg Williams is that it would be better to have him here, but I do feel that Greg Williams has the experience and the defensive scheme and game planning to create a successful defense possibly without him. I do think Greg Williams could figure out a way to do it. Um, you know, maybe that's not the team or the world that we want to live in, but it could possibly be. Okay, so I am seeing that we have a caller in here. This could possibly be my buddy Pete Antonelli from uh, Twitter. Pete and I go back and forth a lot, and he's a huge Jets fan, and 
Um, I asked him to come on to the show so that he could come in here and give his take. So let's see if this is Pete on the line. <clears throat> okay, let me see. I'm trying to get him on the here from the dashboard. How we, how we doing, gentlemen? It is. This is Peter. Hey, Peter. How we doing? Um, how we doing, Alex? Connect, Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we got no Glenn tonight. We had a little bit of technical issues on his side. Um, you know, maybe squirrels are chewing on the phone lines over there, down, over in England. Not sure. Um, this happens every now and again with us on, on blog talk. Um, I wasn't even sure if if I was actually live on the air right now and people could hear me. So I was hoping somebody might tweet me and say, hey, man, nothing's going on, but haven't seen that. But No, nah, I was hearing you fine. It was a little tough for me to get through there, but we're hearing you fine. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you for confirming that. Um, so, Pete, you and I were talking way back when the draft was going on and during this whole pandemic, and we were going to try to get you on. And, you know, me and Glenn's uh, crazy schedules always seem to fluctuate here and there. So, but anyway, um, I first want to start, you know, as you and I going back and forth about these prospects and everything like that. Um, Break it down to me. How do you feel about, you know, Joe Douglas's, you know, first uh, draft class? Well, first off, better late than never, as always. So, glad to at least connect now, touch base where we can. And uh, you, you really, you got to be, you got to be happy with it as a Jets fan. You went into it feeling you needed one of those big linemen. You got one of those big linemen. You went into it feeling you needed to get your hands on a real threat on the outside. We all hope Mims is that. You look at the way he wrapped around day three, and a lot of people had a lot of things to say about the older prospects that McCagnin would bring in. They brought in a lot of older guys, but that's what you're going to get when you're looking for leadership at a young age, when you're looking for team captains, when you're looking for guys who are developed and can help you day one, you're going to tend to lean toward the older version of the prospect there. Uh, much like McCagnin, they went young early on. I'm hitting the age so much because it seems to be a big thing with what we call draft Twitter. And it's kind of a sore subject with me because when you look at today's NFL, if you get seven, eight years out of a guy, you, you got more than your money's worth. It's, you sign up for that on day one. So for me, I never really look at it like, what is the difference between a 21-year-old prospect and a 23, 24-year-old prospect? If they see a second contract, we did something right. Absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. Um, so who would, what would you say? Um, cause clearly I, I feel the same way with the first two picks, um, that those were slam dunks in my book. And not only did they, you know, maybe they could tell us they went the BPA route there, but I also feel like this year we kind of went for what we really need, which we haven't really done in the past. And at some point you have to bring in the players that you need on your roster, um, you know, we, we couldn't have gone defensive line twice in the, in the first draft again, you know, in, if the BPA board said so. So I want to talk about that third round uh, where we were all anticipating certain players and then they go out and they bring in this safety from, from Cal. Um, How do you feel about the way that they handled the third round? I was genuinely shocked with the Ashton Davis pick. But it wasn't the shock of past Jets drafts 
where you're sitting there and then you have to talk yourself into why you like the guy and you have to talk yourself into where the fit is. When you look at what they did with Brian Poole, which I can't stand the one-year deal with these young guys, but they rolled it over again, you still have a question mark in the slot going into 21. And I'm pretty sure everybody has the same feeling on this year where with the third wild card, you hope to make that spot. But really, once again, we're looking into the future and looking for success a year or two down the line. That's where Ashton Davis plays. Now, this Jamal situation has really allowed that pick to look better than it even was. And when you look at Ashton Davis just as a prospect, we've all heard it. It doesn't need to be repeated. Had no business being on the board. When you look at last year with Cashman, and we said that for Cashman, it was true, but the shoulders were a real red flag to where people don't think he'll see a second contract. Ashton Davis's injuries really aren't in line with long-term, I got worry. And when you look at him as a ball player, just the X's and O's, the black and white of what he is, the kid can be special. He offers versatility in the slot. If you want him to play the single high, he obviously has the speed to do that. The guy's a track champion. And truthfully, he showed enough in the box where, I mean, the pick was made and people, oh, he's replacing May. The minute this Jamal turmoil started, it was, ah, Davis can play in the box. And I I wouldn't want him doing that. I'm much more intrigued with him as a single high playing in a May-type role where I think May could be a Jamal, just to tie that in. I'm honestly very yeah. excited with the Davis pick. I think he brings a lot to the table in, in honestly, the special teams aspect as well. And I'm not even so much touching on returning. A Vincent Smith, a Braxton Berrios, they were successful there last year. I'm looking forward to seeing him gunning. I'm looking forward to seeing him running down on kick teams, stuff like that. We haven't had exceptional skill and talent in special teams. We kind of have been getting by with that bottom of the roster, both on the field mm-hmm. and in teams. Now we're starting to get some guys that it's intriguing and some real athletes out there. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head there. I mean, if you think about some of the the players that they've brought in, you know, over the years and kind of overplaying for special teamers, uh, the Jets never really prioritized that, uh, you know, like they have, uh, you know, just recently. Um, And you think about some players that they brought in, um, he's not long or with us now. Brandon Copeland was kind of that special team ace that could, you know, come in and, in a pinch um, and give you some quality snaps in, on the defense. Uh, if, I can, if I can, yeah. if I can with the Brandon Copelands of the world, though, to me, and Copeland did have a couple moments on defense where he flashed. There's no denying that. But I never looked at a Brandon Copeland as, well, maybe he can be the answer as an everyday starter. I feel the Ashton Davises and the Jabari Zunigas, we're going to see them do that this year and play roles this year, but I'm truly intrigued by them going into 21 and 22, where the Brandon Copelands of the world and the Josh Martins of the world, I was never intrigued with outside of teams. Right. Promoting special team players to try to convince the people, like us people, that they can be quality starters was lucrative in thought, but in reality, didn't really pan out production-wise. But, you know, they bring in Neville Hewitt, who was a special teams guy, and, you know, and then he comes in in the pinch and and does quite well. And I'm glad that we have him back because he's going to continue to be that part of that core that you're talking about that we have now. We got some gunners on the outside with some speed. Um, You know, we have some guys that can do some return ability. Um, You know, you bring in – 
maybe what could be one of the more exciting punters in the league out of the draft, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and uh, you think about players like Henry Anderson um, that no one really was anticipating much from. And, you know, I don't remember anybody getting as many blocked punts and getting his hands on uh, field goals for, for blocks as well. You know, so this guy, not only what he can do, on toward the defense, what he does in special teams with those big arms of his are also beneficial. Um, but, you know, we dropped in Zuniga here, and, you know, clearly the Jets need um, somebody off the edge to come out here. Now, the way I look at Zuniga is I see him with his hand in the dirt, more of a defensive end, but, you know, they put that edge uh, roll on him. What's your perception on Zuniga? And, um, you know, I as you said, you, you feel that he's got a future, now, maybe not with the starting roster this year, but potentially in 2021, like you said. And I kind of see the same, but go ahead, break it down. I completely agree with where you're going there with Zuniga. And it's a little bit of a, if you want to call it reading tea leaves, however you want to look at it, it's elementary. But if you just look at the way the Jets list him on their official quote-unquote roster, the guy's a defensive end they've already hinted at him bumping inside on third and long, second and obvious passing situations. So I've kind of tempered my expectations with Jabari Zuniga in terms of, did we find somewhat of an answer on the edge? I I just think that they're telling us what the guy's going to be and what his initial role is going to be. I'm picturing him more in that Quentin Copel's rookie season role where I really do, when he was drafted, I anticipated him playing a lot of defensive end. I'm really, I'm biting it, and I can see on third and long him being at the three-tech and Q being over the nose. I just got to take them at their word right now. And that in and of itself is a very good vote of confidence for the Bryce Hucks of the world and for a guy that I feel is a little <laughs> underrated by this fan base in Terrell Basham. Oh, yeah. I don't think oh, yeah. Zuniga is as much on the edge as we're anticipating him. I think he'll be there on an early down on an obvious run situation. But to me, he's, he's very much of the Jordan Jenkins role for that part of what they'll specially ask him to do for 2020. I see him as another Jordan Jenkins. Trust me, I'll sign up for Jordan Jenkins eight sacks a year right now for Jabari Zuniga. Without a doubt. But what, what we have been yearning for since John Abraham, I was in high school the last time we had a pass rusher like that. That's sad. I got, I got three kids. That's sad. <laughs> what, what we're looking for on the outside, I don't know that we have that guy outside of Bryce Huff that physically you just say, Wow. And, again, you can't bank on an undrafted free agent to even make the team. But for where you were heading there, I felt with Edge, I'm almost a little more intrigued in Huff out of Memphis than I am in Zuniga simply for that role. I am excited for Zuniga and his role, which, again, I feel is more of a primary defensive lineman, especially right now, but potentially moving on into the future as well. I don't know right now. I think he's going to be the one that shows that and he's going to make the coaching staff play him where he fits, which I know it's an obvious statement, but if he offers more, he'll be on the field more. That's, that's really as, as cut and dry as I can give it. And, and you know what the thing is, is that the way that the defense, you know, there's no standard, you know, anymore where a team is just a 4-3 base or a 3-4 base. Everybody is modifying, tweaking, you know, and altering their packages just to – keep the offensive guess, the offensive you know side guessing what they're doing 
And Without you know, you doubt, see how you look at this he week. rotates. Yeah, yeah. You know, in the rotations from last year. I mean, you see three or four guys coming off in particular series, um, you know, every snap. And uh sometimes it would drive me nuts because you don't you only got what, twenty five seconds to get you know, three men out, three men on, then they got to get in their position, then they got to find their keys and their lineup and their role, and everyone's got to be, you know, ready to go in less than 30 seconds. And, you know, sometimes I felt that in the beginning of the year, we weren't in rhythm, but you could see that by the end of the season, you know, as these guys got more experience and the packages, you know, everyone's getting more familiar with Greg Williams' terminology, you could see that the defense was performing at a better level in the second half of the year because they were – they they bought in. They understood what they what their role was, and they understood what they had to do. And Greg Williams was a master at building these game plans to, you know, exemplify what these guys can do when they're in the right position. So you know, with Bryce Huff, it's so weird because every night when I would be watching my 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 film review, and you know, my whole process is I I start with a particular position, and I kind of grab a few guys off the list, and I try to do a few players each night. But, you know, when I would go to get a drink or go to walk my dog and I'd come back and YouTube would be on its, like, little, uh, you know, reel there of just, like, you know, queuing over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Huff would always come back onto my screen. And it was always, like, the Memphis game versus, like, I want to say Kentucky or something like that. And I was just like, man, this guy always is popping up on my screen here. And he's literally on my film every night. And I was always watching this same little short clip of this game, not realizing that, you know, the football gods were telling me this guy was going to be in green one day. So that's my little story about Bryce Huff, which is, you know, pretty interesting. But, you know, you want to talk about a guy that has springs coming off the line, um, you know, getting himself in a four-point stance ready to hunt. Uh, You know, the guy Huff really brings a lot of energy and intensity. Uh, So, you know, hopefully the Jets found, you know, lightning in a bottle with another UDFA there. And, you know, like you said, you know, you mix in – you know, hopefully the potential is Uniga and Huff, um, you know, with this monster that we hope becomes a dominator, Quinn and Williams, who will be the key factor in, in, in this success of this defensive line. You know, the Jets' defensive line really has the possibility to, to be a devastating force. Uh, so, you know, hope, I'm intrigued and I'm, Rule, I'm excited about that. I hope that. Matt Rule enjoys him in three years, because if we found another diamond in the rough, he may wind up in Carolina again. <laughs> that that definitely seems to be a trend with certain certain players on this roster. But um, you know, let's continue to plug away here. And um, you know, we went through into the fourth round here, and that's when things got also got a little bit um, interesting for for certain people's minds. Um, we got Michael P. Ryan, James Morgan, and Cameron Clark. Now, my favorite out of out of the fourth round was was Cameron Clark. Um, How did you feel about the fourth round? Uh, fourth round was was a wild ride. It was fun. The the hot button pick, the hot topic was the Morgan pick, and I get it with people. If he ever sees yep. the field, it's a problem. But everybody yeah. wants the backup that offers potential that maybe is intriguing. You gotta spend to get that. And whether mm-hmm. you're spending an asset or whether you're spending money, which quietly the backup quarterback position in the NFL has become quite expensive. Yeah. So to use a fourth-round pick, and, and just to touch on that New England fell in love with the guy. If you kept him out of New England, so be it. But I'm done with worrying about other people's backyards right now. It's exactly how I feel with Cam. 
We got enough Absolutely. of a mess of garbage in our backyard that I'm not sweating anybody else's lawn right now. Tua Tagovailova, Josh Allen's a whole other conversation. I Really, though, I, I can't peek around the league and worry about that, but to circle back yeah. to where I was going, James Morgan, if you kept him out of New England, cool. Because if the guy is going to be something, one less quality quarterback that you have to face. And you know what? We need what he brings next year, two years from now, three years from now. If Sam's going to get the deal that Sam hopefully gets and hopefully earns after this season, and who knows what's going on with Jamal, but let's live in a fantasy world where he gets paid, I can't afford to pay a backup quarterback five, six, seven million dollars. And if you're going to be a quality football team who wants to go deep into January and fingers crossed February, you have to have a solid backup quarterback. So I can't be mad at what was it, pick 125, right? I can't be mad at pick 125 being spent on that flyer. This isn't Bryce Petty where even myself said, ah, maybe a year, maybe two. I wanted to see that. And that's where I I was kind of touching on with Douglas's class. I don't feel the need to want to be swayed into liking this class. I'm excited about this class already. That in and of itself is is, is exciting for me as a Jets fan because there's been too many years that I have to talk myself into. No, I get what they did here. Yeah, I could see it. It was actually a good move when we all know deep down it wasn't. Deep down it was wrong. Vernon Golston. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. I'm excited yep. about that aspect of this class. Circling back to the fourth round here, Cameron Clark home runs for me. I, I felt it was a great range to get him. I thought he would go a little bit earlier. Uh, very interesting guy in terms of Charlotte. People will look at that. Oh, but look at the game against Clemson. I think I am the only person on this planet that didn't think he played a great game against Clemson. He played a good game. He did. <laughs> yeah. But I watched that yeah. game, and I was, missing, I was missing the praise that everybody – I love him playing through the whistle, but I expect that out of my guys up front, period. So, so with Cameron Clark, I'm tempering the expectations, but I'm excited about the future he can bring. And, again, the depth on this team, if he's slotted in the, in the correct spot, and he can be a swing potential tackle – the guy played center in high school, apparently was an All-American center. I'm sure in a pinch, if need be, he could snap the, snap the rock. You, you might have a sixth offensive lineman that can play up and down your line. P. Ryan yeah. is, is where people differ. And I, I really do get it with P. Ryan. It's not that I don't like the kid as a prospect. It's not that I'm intrigued by what he brings, especially in the passing game. Usually backs built like that don't offer the hands and the route running that he has. But I get where people like Connor Rogers says it, it's a guy who doesn't offer anything special, so you can get that later on. Or you can even get that on the street. Excuse the background. I got Daddy Daycare here today. He wife took the little guy to Atlantic City. Uh, that, that, you, that's quite all right. You can get a Michael P. Ryan in, in July, in August, maybe even in September. Those cases have been there. But when you look at, again, I'm going to say it, it might be the third or fourth time, Joe Douglas is on a six-year deal. We're not – we didn't draft for need for 2020. I felt we drafted for need for the New York Jets for 2021, for 2022. And that's where a P. Ryan and a Zuniga and even more so a Davis, once these guys get their feet wet and get going, biggest jump in the NFL is year two. 
maybe P. Ryan offers the ability to be the solid number two next year because you're going into an offseason where I'm sure they're going to be shedding Bell. And Frank Gore, oh, I mean, Frank Gore's 487 years old now. I'm sure he's got another right. year in the tank, but are we looking for that to be here next year? So maybe P. Ryan is your number two, your 1A going into 21. And if yep. they liked him enough, I'm not going to argue with the coaching staff, whether it be Adam Gase's coaching staff or not. That's what they identified. He has a versatile enough skill set to where I can see him in every aspect of the game being able to contribute something. Fourth round, I'll take that. Absolutely. And then, you know, we're going to do a couple lightning, uh, lightning rounds here because uh, we've got about 13 minutes left on the clock. So, and, and to further the, you know, the, the potential of this class that Joe Douglas came in, uh, the fifth round pick Bryce Hall, which could possibly be the steal of this draft. And I kind of feel like we always have a player that's either in the fifth and sixth round that we say that about, but you know, if you look at prior to Bryce Hall's injury, he was spoken of uh, to be a day one, possibly day two draft uh, selection. Um, and in 2018 had, had he been eligible to go into the draft probably would have been a late first round pick and early second round pick. Um, because he was one of the top cornerbacks in college football um, in 2018 before his injury in 2019. So, you know, what do you feel about Bryce Hall? Do you think he can overcome this injury? You know, if he does, can he become a potential starter, you know, this year, maybe, you know, after a few weeks? Or, you know, should we be, you know, putting him in possibly for the 2021 starting role? Bryce Hall, for where New York Jets fans have gone with him already, I feel like is setting up for a little bit of a disappointment with this fan base. Bryce Hall is going to take a little bit to get healthy, in my opinion. And when yeah. you watch the Bryce Hall, like you had brought up 18, I would, I would agree more with you on 18 than I would on 19 in terms of him being a potential first-round pick. I did think he was one of the best senior corners heading into the season in the country. But where Hall was lacking to be that elite prospect, in my eyes, was elite long speed. And mm-hmm. have an injury like he suffered, have to come Ooh. back from that. In this pandemic, in this time right now in the NFL, where nobody's yep. really got a chance to – he should have been in a camp already. He should already have jet doctors on him, putting him on their yep. rehabs. None of that really has gotten a chance to happen. So I have to be the one to temper the expectations, but I would love for Bryce Hall to be this year's bless Austin, but run with the job even more so. I don't anticipate that happening. I do anticipate him vying seriously for a starting job going into 21, but that doesn't help us so much now. And your question is now. So for right right now, no, I, I, I don't view Bryce Hall as a potential starting corner. I, I got my eggs in that bless in that bless Austin basket right now. And we're gonna yeah. really need for this defense to even match the level that they played at last year, they're gonna need somebody to play over their head. And I really am fingers crossed that that's bless Austin because we need somebody on the outside. I know this year coming in, I'm very tempered on Quincy Wilson if he makes it out of camp in a Jets uniform. We need somebody yeah, yeah. on the outside that can step up and at least say, I have him. Because right now, I don't know that we have that. Yes, absolutely agree. <laughs> Excuse me. And, uh, <laughs> Jesus, um, to end our, uh, you know, draft talk here, uh, Braden Mann, 
uh, kind of, you know, super unexpected. Uh, but, you know, we were looking at with our current cap situation during the draft and, and kind of being in a, uh, in cap hell per se. And, you know, we were about to, you know, possibly ponder paying uh, uh, our previous punter, uh, Lachlan Edwards. Um, and you really, you know, with the way the Jets were, you weren't really financially in a place to, to pay, you know, top money toward a punter. So, uh, again, you, you fill a starter's pick in the draft, and it, it tends to be the best punter in the nation. So I, I got to chalk this up. This is a win for Joe Douglas. If, if you took a starter in the fourth round, would we all be jumping for joy? So let's cancel Absolutely. out the James Morgan pick by getting a, an everyday starter in the seventh round. That's how I go. sell myself on certain things. I didn't have to sell myself on Braden Man, though. It, it, it lends a little bit to the running back argument, but when you see special, you take special. And I don't mind investing a seventh-round pick in an everyday starter and in a leg like what Braden Man seems to be bringing to the table. Now, the NFL ball, the NFL game, everything's different. We've seen better prospects at more prominent positions fail. But if I gotta, if I gotta have one guy out of this class that you tell me there's a Pro Bowler, who is it? You have to be right. I'll say right now it's Braden Man long term. I think you got and, that type of punter right now on this team. Absolutely, and you know we know how, uh, you know you, that can be like a secret weapon, um, you know for say if you're if he's able to do those coffin, you know punts and pin guys inside the ten yard line and do things like that and the defense can pin their ears back, you know, not, that kind of stuff nothing, is going to be beneficial. Even, even outside of a coffin corner and being able to pin them deep, how many times have we seen Lachlan Edwards in the, in the middle of November and December in Foxborough punting from even the 30, and one goes off the side of the leg, now Brady was taken over with a drive at the 40, 45. Just yeah, being able to flip field position, whether it be inside the 10, inside the 20 or not, Sometimes that opening drive, three and out, and that punt, and, and that offense coming on the field already with the ball at the 37 or at the ball at the 20, it makes a difference, that 12 yards. And all that hidden Absolutely. yardage at the end of the game adds up. So I, I am as excited about what we've seen him do, deaden the ball inside. And, but hang time to me to match the leg, which is where I felt Lachlan Edwards never progressed. Lachlan had a big leg. But he, he either seemed to boom one and outkick the coverage, or it was an average punt. There was there was right. no in between with him. There was no consistency. And I'm hoping Absolutely. man brings that. And when you see Boyer talk about him, the guy the guy's face lights up when he talks about Braden Man. So Douglas wanted to throw his coaches a bone. I'm more than happy with that being the special team phone. Definitely. All right, so we got a few minutes. Um, I started off the show. Obviously, Jamal has taken all the headlines here. Um, so, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the opportunity here if you want to get into it. Um, we got a few minutes here. If you want to tell me what what is going on in your mind with the situation with Jamal Adams, and uh, all right, I'll, I'll give you. We got six minutes here, so I'll give you two to three minutes here. Let let me know I'm gonna, what's going on inside your your mind, buddy. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my very best to to just stay calm and try to deliver this nicely. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. We as the Jets are just not allowed to because we are given something and we ruin it or fumble it. This whole situation, my vantage point, this whole situation is on Christopher Johnson's doorstep because the only person that Jamal would speak to last October 
was the silver spoon Christopher Johnson. And he sat down, and there's no doubt in my mind, he told Jamal, we're going to send you an offer in January. You're our guy. A lot has happened since this football season has ended, including a change in regime up top, a whole new structure, let's hope, to our scouting, to our contracts, which we have seen in Douglas's stance. I kind of feel the owner put a man in charge, told him he was the captain of the ship, and then told Jamal that he was going to steer the ship in a certain direction. And whether that is or isn't on Joe Douglas's agenda right now, I'm going to side just because it's convenient for my argument. Christopher Johnson told Jamal Adams he's going to get an offer, he's going to get a deal. A pandemic hit. There was a lot going on. We had about 25 legitimate roster spots. In terms of looking toward the 53 that needed to be filled, by a brand-new GM who has a very long-term vision. I don't think he's disrespecting Jamal by sitting down and saying, Jamal, you, you just I know you want it now. Give me a couple extra months. You might even have to wait till next year, but you will be taken care of. I think the ability to have that conversation soundly was taken from Joe Douglas. And I don't know if that's me making a bed nice and cozy for Douglas or not because that's how I want the situation to read. But in my eyes, Christopher Johnson made a promise that he thought his checkbook simply would be able to back up. And the man he put in charge of football operations that hopefully for once is sound and has a plan and wants to put a structure in place, that didn't fit his specific timeline. But lack of communication within the Jets organization which has been an ongoing problem since at least the day I was born in 1987, is the underlying issue here. We got a GM that reports to an owner, a head coach that reports to an owner again. How many times do we have to trip before we realize maybe we shouldn't walk this way? Put us in a position with one of the best players that this uniform has ever seen, in my opinion. I think it would oh, yeah. be a travesty to lose Jamal Adams, but I think it's, it's, it's coming to a head and it's coming to a point where I don't see how, to a man, anybody else in that locker room really looks at him the same way. And I'm not saying they're all buddy-buddy. I'm not naive enough to think that. They know what Jamal brings on the field, but some of these antics and some of the ways that he has gone about this situation – He's making it so hard for me to stay in his corner because I oh, yeah. get it from the, from the visceral fan perspective. I get it. I just think it, it's, it's, it's becoming a situation that is, that is really toxic at this point. And what else is new with our New York Jets? Absolutely. Pete, I just want to, you know, thank you for coming on. Um, you had great takes tonight. And I'm just going to say it right now. If you don't call in, you know, within the next week or two to let us know about, you know, with everything that's going on, I'm going to take it as a personal insult. So, you know, this is not going to be our last conversation on Jet Nation Radio. I sure hope so, because I think you can. I certainly hope not. I appreciate it. I hope to have Glenn on next time, and I look forward, guys. Thank you again for having me. Absolutely. And you know where to find us. Uh, So, you know, Follow me on, you know, you know where I'm at at Twitter. I'm going to give you a shout out. And, uh, yeah, you know, keep it real, Pete. And thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate you. Misery loves company. I appreciate you guys.
All right, buddy. Be well. Have a good one. Well, that was our buddy, uh, Pete Antonelli. And I got about 90 seconds here, so I'm going to wrap it up real quick and throw out our sponsor, Mile Social. Um, If you guys are looking for a company to help build your brand out on the social media world and network, Mile Social is the way to go. That is M-I-L-E-S-O-C-I-L Social. Go to milesocial.com to get your company out there to the masses. Uh, so this was a, you know, about an hour show. Um, great call tonight from Pete. Glenn, we miss you. We look forward to hearing your takes next week when we get all the bugs figured out between blog talk radio and all that good stuff. Uh, but yeah, you, you know, we are right now at the, uh, we're in the second half of the 2020 season. Um, training camp's going to be some point at the end of the month, hopefully, um, you know, this situation will improve within our world and we'll actually be able to attend it this year. Um, but that might be wishful thinking. Uh, so more football talk coming to you guys next week. Um, don't forget to go and check out Glenn um, on Twitter. You can find me, myself. Our handles will be at the sign-off on the end of the show, so be sure to give us a follow. Go to JetNation.com one of the best forums that you'll find for Jets content. Um, the conversation never stops on the forums at Jet Nation. So JetNation.com is the way to go. And don't forget to follow us at Jet Nation Radio on Twitter as well. We love your support. We love you guys. Everybody be well, be safe. And as always, go Jets. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!